This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by Seymour Buds. Are you in need of a dozen long stem roses? Has a family member met their untimely fate to a carnivorous plant? Seymour Buds has you covered. Get your butt to Seymour Buds, located on Skid Row. Seymour Possibilities. Seymour Buds. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Michael, the Kaiju Groupie. Woo! How are you guys doing? (laughs) So much enthusiasm today. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) I've got to maintain it because I am already... So tired, and we've got a long day today. <laughs> oh, we have a so. very, very long day today. And Travis, it's it's really unfortunate that this episode is going to come out after Kaiju right. Quarantine because I really was hoping to um, to plug it some more. But I'm sure that there hey. will probably be one down the road somewhere, uh, especially if this quarantine or social distancing or uh, mandatory mm-hmm. stay at home order continues much longer. Oh yeah, definitely. And I don't think we really need to plug it much more because we've already got so many people involved that we had to switch it from being on Discord to being a Facebook live event because there was too many people. We filled up, we filled up the limit for Discord too fast. <laughs> we did. And it, I really, uh, I was sitting, I was thinking about it, uh, back when we started doing this. I'm like, who, who's really going to set and watch all these movies with us mm. and listen to our commentary. Well, apparently a lot of people, because we, like you said, we've already filled up discord at the time of this recording. We've already filled up discord. Uh, we're switching everything over to F- uh, Facebook live. We had a really great call with the guys uh, involved with it. You know, Kyle from Tokyo lives and you know, the guys from monsters versus men, Kaiju transmissions, monster Island film vault and all the others. I'm not going to ramble on too much longer about that, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, we're we're all super excited, and uh, I hope since this is since we're talking in the future, uh, you guys that are listening to us today uh, were able to join us, and you had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, we hope that it it went off without a hitch, and we were able to just have fun with this because that that was the main goal when I had the crazy idea for kaiju quarantine this uh two-day movie marathon i was like i just wanted to you know i wanted to lighten uh people's or or, or brighten people's days make them feel better because right now everybody's kind of depressed and a little down um because of all of the situation that's going on in the world so i wanted to help you know lift everybody's spirits so i hope that we accomplish that if nothing else well i'm sure we did I'm sure we did because I'll be, uh, I'm sure that uh, I'll have some great feedback on the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, the unofficial Facebook group of Kaiju Weekly. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I'm I'm sure it's, I'm sure that it's going to be a lot of fun, really. Yeah, it's definitely going to be. And like we said, we're, we are just hours away from that marathon beginning so we're so excited but we wanted to go ahead and squeeze in this recording and record this episode that's going to be coming out after 
the event. So we'll talk more about how it went next week on next week's episode. <laughs> um, but uh, um, yeah, so let's go ahead and jump right into the news. So, Michael, I have some issues with news, the news for this week, okay. because this the news for this week was very hard to collect and sift through oh, because yeah, of a special day that happened that the internet decides to go nuts over <sighs> oh, it was ter- it was terrible trying to find uh real news to yeah. to actually give i mean there was a lot of uh please forgive me fake news uh mm-hmm. but um but yeah for anyone who doesn't know or is not aware if you're outside of the country April 1st is April Fools Day and so mm-hmm. on that day companies uh like to play pranks and news outlets like to play pranks on the fan base and others it's not just the kaiju community no it's it's everybody it's apple oh, it's yeah. google it's yahoo it's it's ford and all these other places love to do these spoofs or parody jokes um on this specific day so you really can't take anything with other than a mm-hmm. grain of salt on april fool's day because that is not a great day to be right. uh, looking for news. But we did find a couple of news items. But before we get into all that, I do want to ask you, Travis, which ones were your favorite spoofs, your favorite April Fool's from this past, uh, was it Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday. Yeah. I I don't know which one was my favorite because... Uh, I really, I was, because of personal things going on, I was really not in a jovial mood, so I can't even tell you some of the ones that were actually funny. I was just getting irritated with the ones that's like, oh, you know, here's the news that uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is getting moved to February. Oh, wait, no, that's fake story. Okay. Uh, Oh, here's the news that we might possibly be getting a a trailer for. Oh, nope, nope. That's a fake one, too. So it's like, okay, (laughs) come on now. (laughs) What's real? Um, I think, um, who who was it? Was it, was it E3 Productions? Uh, Mm -hmm. they had a good one. I even shared it to the, to the Facebook group. And, uh, I mean, everyone caught on that it was bait. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, it was pretty funny. I think it was uh, something to the effect of uh, someone has an inside connection to Legendary and Warner Brothers and they're pushing back. And we're supposed to get the trailer for mm-hmm. Godzilla vs. Kong on April the 10th. Um, so I saw that and it took me it, it took me a split second to remember what day it was. Right. Uh, same with the, um, Godzilla versus Kong was pushed back to February of 2021. It mm-hmm. took me a second to figure out that it, oh, it's April Fool's Day. Uh, because of everything going on in the world, it just sort of made sense. And those were the best ones that I saw. There was a couple yeah. other ones, uh, from around the interweb. I think, uh, if you're a, if you're a kaiju collector like me and you follow sort of the collecting scene, uh, SH Monster Arts put out one. They usually put out one every year. Typically they just rehash some old ones. Like I think the year before last mm-hmm. was, uh, uh, they're going to be producing a figure based off of the Stan Winston Godzilla, and all that oh, is is yeah. just it was a Photoshop 
Mm-hmm. Uh, or they put out one, I think it was last year, that they're going to be producing a, a Muto figure, uh, and everyone went nuts over that until they realized, oh, it's April Fool's. This year, though, mm-hmm. they did take it up a notch, and I was impressed because, uh, uh, as you, you may or may not know, there is a bootleg version of Ghidorah 1964 that people have gotten their hands on. So apparently the guys at, and everyone, uh, has claimed that, that this was a stolen prototype from mm-hmm. SH Monster Arts because it is so, it is actually really, for a bootleg, it looks pretty good for a bootleg. Um, so what SH Monster Arts did was they repainted it. They gave it a, a more in a more detailed color scheme, more gold than beige, uh, and then they did the their typical photo shoot to when they do their promotional photos. They gave it the full SH Monster Arts treatment, and it I'll be honest, it fooled me. It really fooled me. I commented on their Twitter post about it. It's like, yep, you got me. Well played, fellas. Well played. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, me as not being a collector, I wouldn't have given it a second thought as oh, that's just a real thing because <laughs> it looks, it looks real to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, there was uh, a lot of craziness <laughs> going on, but uh, I, I'm usually if I'm in a more jovial mood, I, I'm all right with it. But just I was just getting irritated by the time I was like, just give me a real news story. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing so. is, Travis, we were at, we we are or were able to extract some real news. Uh, yeah, from the past couple of days. So it's not much, but it's enough that we want to talk about it. Right. And the big one that I think we can talk about, which seems like a April Fool's prank, but uh, turns out to be true. Magic the Gathering has started a collaboration with Toho on a Godzilla-themed expansion pack. And so you can go online. Uh, GodzillaMovies.com has a full list. There's a bunch of websites that has a full list mm-hmm. of the different cards and what they are uh what their power sets are and all of that kind of stuff. This is interesting to people who are card collectors and people who play magic, the gathering. Right. I am not one of those people. I'm not I don't either. Really? Yeah. I'm not a big, um, I'm not into magic, the gathering. I'm aware of it. Just not really into it. I had friends. Um, or I had, I actually have friends currently who, who get together on the weekends or just whenever they can and play magic and play Dungeons and Dragons. And I have played mm-hmm. before. Uh, it's not something that I'm super into. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of folks within the community that are super excited about this. I'm going to be, con- I'm going to be probably totally honest with you or not probably, but I am going to be totally honest with you. I will probably buy the expansion pack only because I want to have it, not yeah. because I plan on using it. Uh, um, yeah. So I will probably, but yeah, I'll probably listeners. Yeah. Uh, so listeners just, that's just to give you a heads up that we're not going to be talking about this from the point of view of people who are into magic, the gathering, but we're going to be talking more about this as kaiju fans. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about the art. Because oh. the Magic the Gathering, they have fantastic art on they all do. their cards. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, didn't Bob Eggleton do some of their artwork way back when? If I'm not mistaken, because maybe some of the older cards look like his art style. I have a few items that Bob uh, 
produced mm-hmm. or did. I think he did the uh, Godzilla books that I'm so fond of. He did the mm-hmm. artwork for that, and he's done a ton of other stuff related to Godzilla and Kaiju and Ultraman and some other stuff. And uh, I want to say that he actually did do some of the artwork way back when for Magic the Gathering, but I'm probably 1,000% wrong on that. Magic the it Gathering fans... It would surprise me. It, yeah. it really wouldn't surprise me. No, it wouldn't. Um, it wouldn't I just don't know. Um. So looking at the different ones... um. Which ones stand out to you as far as the cards are and the artwork in the cards? Well, uh, for Bi- the Biolante card, first of oh, all, yes. stood out to me. Um, I mean, I don't believe really Biolante is in scale, but I guess it really doesn't matter since it's, you know, a giant monster and all. But right. um, also, let's see, there's a, there's a couple here. I'm on the website now, just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Uh, some of these are in Japanese, so I don't know exactly what they say, but um, mm-hmm. like the Shin Godzilla art is awesome. The Angiris artwork, the mm-hmm. Angiris card looks fantastic also. Uh, I mean, Ghidorah, Violante, King Caesar, uh, even the goofy yeah. little Dorats. I mean, they all look, yeah, the, the artwork is all, always fantastic with these. Yeah, and that's what I wanted, because there's two King Caesar cards and um they both i i have been it's gone on record on this podcast that i am not the biggest fan of king caesar uh i don't really like his design i don't like the way he looks i i I get what he's supposed to be but i just don't like the way he looks Mm -hmm. uh either in mechagodzilla or in final wars i really just don't care for that kaiju but the king caesar art for these Magic the Gathering cards looks fantastic. And oh, if King does. Caesar looked like that in the movies, mm-hmm. I would just be like, ah, this is a fantastic kaiju. So uh I, I have to, I had to point that out. Um Mothra, of course, looks fantastic. You mentioned the Dorats. I, I want to give a special shout out to Little Godzilla <laughs> from <laughs> the uh uh godzilla versus space godzilla that art is fantastic you know, it is it is and you know his card i'm looking on uh godzilla movies.com here and they've got the list mm-hmm. of names what what the actual names on the cards will read and for baby uh-huh. godzilla it says baby godzilla ruin reborn and that's oh wow yeah that's what it says uh I'll let you, some of these other ones are pretty cool too they got angiris armored killer uh, Biolante, plant, ba- plant beast form. Um, uh, let's see here. What's another? What's another one that stands out? Well, they, the okay. So they do. You mentioned they have two King Caesars. One is called mm-hmm. uh, Ancient Guardian, and the other one is called Awoken Titan. So I'm not sure which oh, card wow. is which because, like I said, the ones I'm looking at now are in Japanese, and so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, I can't read Japanese. Unfortunately, it's something right. I'm working on. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, but they look fantastic. Uh, now I will, mm-hmm. I will ask you, Travis, based on some of the other Magic the Gathering cards that you've seen, mm-hmm. which of these monsters, which of these kaiju look like they belong to Magic the Gathering? I think the King Caesar ones. Mm-hmm. I really, I really think that he, the design that they used for him and the artwork that they did for him, 
he looks like he fits into that kind of fantasy magical world right. that the magic the gathering that i think of when i think of magic the gathering the card game um so that's the one that fits to me i i'm not as familiar enough to know whether they have modern cities in the magic the gathering universe and and world that they have in the card game so to me the uh godzilla you know destroying the city or mothra flying through the city anything that shows a more modern mm-hmm. uh city or landscape kind of just doesn't really feel like a magic the gathering card to me as a layman um but uh but the king caesar ones they look fantastic as just they could they fit right into that universe I want to say you're right about the King Caesar cards. I, that was actually the first ones I thought of. But another yeah. one that I thought probably looks sort of like it was plucked right out of the Magic the Gathering was the was the 04 Geigen card. Uh, oh, yeah. Because he's got that armored, sort of that medieval um, warrior monster look to him. And, it, and, and I know yeah. if I'm not, if I remembering correctly, again, I'm not a magic, the gathering fan. So if I'm incorrect, people please correct me. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, Gigan, the, the cyber, he's labeled Gigan, the cyber claw terror. And he looks something like, like a medieval badass. If I'm allowed to say mm-hmm. that he just looks like something yeah. plucked mm-hmm. right out of, something they found and just tried to fit with armor and it was it's really cool looking also probably i'd say biolante is probably the next mm-hmm. one in line uh but all the, I, mean, I agree with you all the other ones especially the ones with sort of the modern cities they just look like really nice godzilla kaiju cards and i think one of the mm-hmm. one of the groupies mentioned when i posted this in the group the other day said um uh, he would love to have posters of all these. And I think that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much the consensus. If you're not a Magic the Gathering fan and you appreciate this artwork though, I mean, I can see someone finding a high res image. I'm not saying steal the artwork, but I can see somebody high, finding a high res image and blowing it up to poster size because the artwork is just really that good. And if you're a, a Godzilla kaiju fan, I mean, you're going to eat this stuff up and you are really going to yeah. appreciate what, um magic and toho are doing here yeah this is really interesting to me too also because one of the first news stories that me and steven uh covered when we first started back on this podcast was how uh they had put out a godzilla themed trading card game and so to to know that there is a game, a, a trading card game that is specifically for Godzilla and all of his kaiju, and then to also hear that there's a collaboration with with Magic the Gathering and uh, they're doing these expansion packs, that to me kind of conflicts because I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I, it just it seems weird to me that they're doing both of them, but maybe it's just me. It's not that weird because you know, to- I've noticed that Toho. Uh, they've they've reached out a lot. Now they get a they get a really bad they have a really bad reputation for keeping everything kind of tight and close to the vest. They don't share. Mm-hmm. Toho does not share a lot. But I don't know if it's because they're maybe under if there's new leadership within Toho or something's going on. But they're they've become more willing to share mm-hmm. and do collaborations like this. 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it does seem like there there's more licensing and more uh, things like that going on. So, I, yeah, I just found that weird that there was two different card games that both featured uh, Godzilla and, and his fellow kaiju. So, I don't know, that just, that, that's, you know, something that stood out to me. Um, one more thing I wanted to cover on this uh, story is we have a new reason for the hashtag Justice for Baragon. Oh, I know, because right? He... <laughs> There's no Baragon! See, that's what I thought. <laughs> I was going through these photos and I fully, I fully expected there to be a Baragon. I really yeah. did, because it just seems to make sense to me. But maybe there are two King Caesars, there are, but yeah, no Baragon. There are two King Caesars and one Angiris, but I understand Angiris though, but no yeah. Baragon. I mean, come yeah. on, people. Come on. <laughs> that, that, that hashtag justice for Baragon. We have more reason now than ever to share that hashtag around with Toho, share it to Toho to tell them we want a Baragon Magic the Gathering card. Maybe we should petition, maybe we should start a, a change.org petition and get this, yeah. and get this started. Who knows? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Maybe, maybe it would gain some steam. I don't know if there's enough uh, Baragon We fans. might be the one change.org that might actually succeed in what we're trying to change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no Baragon. Toho, why you know has Baragon? Um, but anyway. So, uh, yeah. But other than that, there's nothing else to say. The art's fantastic. It is. Um, if, 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 you're, if you've not seen it yet, and I don't know why you wouldn't have by now, uh, go look it up. It's really fantastic. Yeah, and also um, just a quick note to keep in mind that some of these um, cards, I know one of the Godzilla cards is only in specific um, collector's uh, packs that you can buy, mm -hmm. so you have to buy specific packs if you plan on, if you want that particular card to be in there. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, or have a chance to get that card in your pack. Um, so, you know, not all of these are available in every pack. So mm -hmm. I don't, like I said, I'm not in that world, but somebody did mention that online. And that, well, then, uh, so I figured I'd put that back out there. Maybe I might skip this then because I really don't want a bunch of magic, the gathering cards that I'll never use. Well, I, I think you can buy the, um, the Godzilla, like this particular expansion pack, but the, there's like one or two that are special, like hmm. special ones that you have to get from okay. uh, a special pack. All right, that's fair. So I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know that, that world, but that's just from what I've read and what people have said online. Um, so anyway, moving on from that news to something, uh, that we've heard a lot about and that's movies getting canceled movies moving their release dates um and we've got more news about movies being moved to november so marvel and disney has moved the black widow movie from its release date that was supposed to be in was it supposed to be this month april yeah i, I think, think it was supposed, supposed to be, to be this month it was supposed to come out this month and um uh, yeah, they moved it. So Yeah, they moved it to November. So that is more movies getting piled into November uh, alongside Godzilla vs. Kong. Now, I know you talked about on the Q&A episode that you did, uh, the bonus episode that you did, uh, about how you feel uh, that it makes sense for Legendary and Warner Brothers to go ahead and move 
Godzilla vs. Kong. It does. Or to just put it straight out onto streaming. Um, and I don't disagree with you on that because I mean, it, you know, you're talking about November is already getting, you know, full with movies and they haven't done any marketing. So it's not like they really have that much to, you know, backpedal on. Mm-hmm. So why not go ahead and move it another few months? I mean, it's really not going to disappoint anybody except for the fan base. I mean, cause I, like I said in the Q and a, I really don't think since there's not been a lot of general marketing, um, mm-hmm. maybe it's because we all live in this kaiju bubble, but I feel like the general audience doesn't even know this film even exists or is even coming down the pipeline. So moving it would actually probably help them. I would say move it to February. Actually, I would probably move it to February or March, some other time other than uh, November because I don't have the full list of films in front of me for November of 2020 or 2021. Or no, no, 2020. I'm sorry. Yeah, Shoot, I'm getting my years yeah. mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like there's, there's like 15 different films. I think at this point, like you've got mm-hmm. bond black widow and Mulan is going to be in that too. Uh, yeah. maybe I think a couple of dreamworks, uh, movies for children are going to be involved. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it would only help Warner Brothers and Legendary to move it because there's really right. they really don't have a I mean, of course they're they've they've been producing the movie, they've been working on it, but they don't have a lot of skin in the game as far as marketing goes. So it's not like right. they're gonna have to backtrack, like you said, and say, Oh, well, you know, we we can't release this in November. Uh we're gonna push it back. I mean, they're not really gonna disappoint anybody except for the fan base. And that's really yeah. at this point, I think the only people that knows this film is even coming. And I know that sounds harsh, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And it's not like they have to re-release the trailer with a different date, you know, attached to it. Now it's like, we still haven't even had a trailer. So it's like, you know, at this point, I, I completely agree with you. I think that the, as far as your everyday average person, they probably aren't even aware that this movie, or if, even if they kind of know the movie's coming, they didn't know exactly when it was coming right. anyway. So the only people you're disappointing is the fans. And I think that most of us fans are adult enough to, you know, say, Hey, we understand why right. that, you know, this, this is a crazy time and moving this movie, you know, makes sense. I have seen a few trolls on the internet, and I'm gonna, and I say trolls because some of the comments that about like when when this discussion's being had, especially on Twitter, people are like, no, yeah. go ahead and release it. Who who cares? Blah blah blah. Well, you know, first of all, if you want the if you want people to be safe and not go out mm-hmm. into the theaters, because just to touch on just just for a second, there is a possibility that the virus will pop up again, especially in flu season, which is between mm-hmm. uh, September. September through January, I think it's when it, when mm-hmm. the official flu season is. Um, so, I mean, I don't want people to be pushed to the theaters. I don't want the, I don't want Godzilla versus Kong to be rushed. Uh, to be honest with you, they're going to get my money regardless. Like I said, during the Q and a, they're going to get my money regardless. They're going to get your money regardless. Right. They're going to get a lot of fans money regardless. So this is not going to be for us. The push, if they push it to 2021, it's not going to be for us. It's going to be for the general audience in China and the United States that they need 
to mm -hmm. make this movie successful. And if we want to see more MonsterVerse movies, we're going to have to be patient. And that's really the only thing that I've been trying to tell people that want to bring this topic up to me. Uh, yeah. Just be patient. Just be patient. And honestly, if they wanted to release it to streaming, fantastic. I'll, I'd gladly pay the $20 or whatever. I don't know. I can't remember exactly what the standard rate for a, to purchase a movie digitally is. I think it's around $20. I'd gladly pay the 20 bucks just to have it digitally until they release, until they can get physical copies out. That's fine. They're going to get my money regardless. But what I'm going to tell people yeah. in the fandom, just be patient. Be patient. It's probably going to, they know what they're doing. I'm not trying to be a Warner Brothers or legendary apologist, but I'm sure they know what they're doing. They have marketing people on their team that will, that probably knows that November is stacked. There, a lot of folks' mm -hmm. money is going to be split. Uh, maybe they're counting on uh, where people have been in this quarantine and be, people have been cooped up for so long. They're going to, because, you know, people are going to want to get out more. You're going to see a boom of people going out to movies and doing different things after sort of the quarantine is lifted. So maybe they're counting on that and they, st and they leave it in November. But personally, I think it's a, I think it would be a mistake to leave it in November, to be honest, but that's just one man's opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Kyle from Tokyo Lives a couple of weeks ago on their podcast, they he got on a soapbox. He, he said it was a little small soapbox, but it was one. Well, that I just got on mine, on. so and it's he, okay. <laughs> and he talked. He talked a lot about the same things and how you know we need to remember that right now there's more important things you know going on than these movies and yes it's disappointing to fans, but you know there's more involved than just us fans you know there's there's people's jobs and careers who are dependent on these movies making money and succeeding and so they have to you know take that into consideration when they're you know releasing a movie so i it's it's something that and we're and we're talking hypothetical because they haven't even actually said whether they are going to move right. it but whether they move it or not i think that us as fans just need to chill a little <laughs> and and just like you said be patient whether we get it sooner rather than later or later rather than sooner doesn't matter we'll get to see the movie at some point just be patient and just you know be excited for and it and hopefully it gives them more time you know hopefully between now and whenever they can release it uh if they notice something that's not quite right with the film they can it gives them time to go and fix it i mean i I want it to be as good as it possibly can be because I feel like even though King of the Monsters was was delayed for how many years? Like three or four years, uh, it still could have been better. It still could have been better. right, and that's coming from somebody who's an uber Godzilla fan, not just and a sometimes Godzilla fan. Yeah, yeah. So other than that, I think that's that's the news for uh, this week that we have. We haven't it's been a slow news week. I mean, of course, because there's not really much going on in the world. Everybody is under quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, so only essential things are going on. So as far as entertainment and everything, there's not a lot going on. Um, really quickly, so we can really quickly, Travis, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, no, go ahead. Did we have we heard anything? I knew it was. Was it really uh, false news 
that GFest has been postponed or canceled? I could I couldn't remember if that was real. That or was not. false news. Okay. Yeah, that was that was a um that was an April Fool's prank. As of right now, according to JD, GFest is still happening. Hmm, okay. In July, I think yeah, July. Um but it's also open to be changed if things change. So we're just waiting to see. Um, there's a lot of time. I mean, not a lot of time, but there is some time between now and July. So things can change. You never know. Right. Um, so I think it's just a wait and see. But yeah, yeah, there was a there was a news. There was a tweet circulating that uh, that it had been postponed. But JD, you know, quoted it and said, "This is fake. This is not real. This isn't me saying this. That we're still going ahead with our plans." And we'll let you know if it does get canceled. Sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, we can move on to the main topic for this week. So, the trivia question that I asked last week to hint to what the movie is for this week was, which eccentric film is currently the only movie to feature comedy legends Bill Murray and Steve Martin together? And we had a few answers, some from uh, a couple from Twitter and some from the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group where we shared it. So we've got a couple of long answers. <sighs> um, so Ben Colton <laughs> wrote in, said the 1986 remake of Little Shop of Horrors in which Steve Martin played the psychotic dentist. And Bill Murray played his uh, sadist patient, who I don't recall ever being given a name. Uh, he he actually was given a name. Um, also, fun fact, in the original movie from 1960, Jack Nicholson played the same character that Bill Murray does in the remake. Hey, don't do my job for me, Ben. Uh, <laughs> that's my job. Um, this was before Jack Nicholson became a household name, of course, after One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But when he did, all the marketing for home releases of the original movie centered around Nicholson to sell copies, despite his role being very small. I do know that uh, um, that if you pick up a DVD copy of the original um, Little Shop of Horrors, it's big letters on there starring Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson's not the star of it. He is a small part in that original movie. So it was a, it was so a money grab there. Yeah, well, it was a way of, you know, trying to sell copies, which, you know, hey. Um, Brandon Hurst answered Little Shop of Horrors via a GIF. Um, Nick Blackler answered Cheaper by the Dozen Six, Monster Island Mayhem. Steve Martin reprises his role as Tom Baker in this hilarious follow-up to Cheaper by the Dozen Five. Guess Kaiju is coming for dinner. The Baker family finds him themselves stranded on Monster Island with not only scary monsters, but possibly a new family member. Don't miss Bill Murray in his sure-to-be iconic role as Manila. <laughs> That is some creative that is, work. That is. And I love it. That is my favorite answer we got this week, uh, Nick, because that was fantastic. On, A lot of thought went into that. <laughs> if we were able, if we were ever able, not making promises, if we were ever able to get around to doing a fan spotlight or a groupie spotlight or something like that, I would love to mm -hmm. sit down and talk one-on-one -on -one with Nick just for a few minutes, just to, just to, just to, interact with him because he comes up with some of the funniest answers i think we can get oh yeah 
Oh, yeah, and we love hearing them. I love the funny answers, so keep sending them. Um, and then, uh, finally, Eli Gutierrez on Twitter uh, said, Little Shop of Horrors from 1986. So, that is the movie we are covering, Little Shop of Horrors. Now, this is the, like we said, the 1986 version, not the 1960 version with Nick and Jack Nicholson. Um, so... Uh, let's go through the, I'll go through the, uh, cast and then we'll get into our, our, sure. um, opening thoughts. So we have Rick Moranis as Seymour. We have Ellen Green as Audrey. Vincent Gradinha as Mr. Mushnick. Steve Martin as Oren Scrivello. I always forget how, I, didn't, I don't know how to Scrivello say his last name. Or something. Yeah, I think you're close. You're closer than me. But He's the dentist. Um, Jim Belushi as Patrick Martin. Um, there's a little factoid about that. Uh, John Candy as Wink Wil- Wilkinson, who's a DJ on the radio. Uh, Bill Murray as Arthur Denton. So see, he was named in the movie, at least in the credits he was named. L- Levi Stubbs as Audrey Two or Tui, the big plant monster. And this was directed by Frank Oz. And a quick plot breakdown for the movie. A nerdy florist finds his chance for success and romance with the help of a giant man-eating plant who demands to be fed. So, Michael, what are your opening thoughts for this movie? What are your initial thoughts? Well, uh, as someone who unapologetically does not like musicals, (laughs) I really enjoyed this one i actually i actually laughed pretty much the whole time the you know this movie has was not just uh, steve martin and bill murray but it is stacked with comedy Mm -hmm. legends uh jim belushi is one uh uh, john candy god rest his soul is one i mean Mm -hmm. come on i mean there's there's a lot of comedy in it's not and it's all iconic comedy not this uh blue comedy or what they call blue comedy now where Mm -hmm. you throw a f-bomb out there and everyone laughs i mean it's really good sophisticated uh mature comedy like some some jokes yeah. you you gotta you gotta let them sink in before they're funny, uh, because they yeah. just come so quick. They just come like at a quick like like just sort of taught like uh, it, it's it makes me wonder if if some of these guys aren't doing improv while they were uh, doing this movie. Mm-hmm. So, but so a lot of the, a lot yeah. of these guys are fantastic. Uh, as for the rest of the film, you know, I enjoyed it. I really did. I enjoyed it more than what I expected to. Now, this is not my first time viewing this film. I've seen this, I've seen mm-hmm. this before. Like it, it was on a TV channel. It was on a TV channel, cable television channel growing up. And I can't remember what or who would even have this on, but maybe TNT or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I hadn't seen this in a long time. And like I said, I'm not a huge musical fan, but I'm actually glad that you made me watch this movie. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you enjoyed it after last episode, me having AJ on and making him, forcing him <laughs> at gunpoint. <laughs> no, not at gunpoint. Watch. No, for, disclaimer, there was no guns involved in that episode. 
No guns involved. He's all the way in New Zealand, so there's no guns in New Zealand. Um, but no, uh, but yeah, but 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 making him watch Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and then realizing that he did not enjoy the movie as much as I did. So having someone or or, or hearing that you enjoyed this movie makes me happy. <laughs> um, my initial thoughts. I mean, someone watched an old. Roger Corman, black and white, silly, campy monster movie, and decided, hey, I'm going to turn that into a musical. And that's amazing to me. And I cannot believe that it happened. And I am glad that we live in a world where that did happen. (laughs) Um, So... Moving into our likes and dislikes for this, um, let's go ahead and just, because I think it's going to probably be our shorter segment, was there anything in the movie that you didn't like? No, I'll be honest with you, no, there wasn't, because I went into it thinking that there was going to be a lot of stuff I was going to hate about this movie. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, when I when I put it on to watch it, I thought, okay, let's get this over with. Um uh, But I was pleasantly surprised about how much I actually did enjoy this movie. Again, Mm -hmm. as someone who does not like musicals, I I run kicking and screaming away from musicals. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I was I was really, really pleasantly surprised with this film. Yeah, it's there's not many things to not like about it for me either. Um We'll talk about as we, um, when we get later on, uh, the different endings, because there was a different ending. Uh, the, the ending that you probably watched was the theatrical ending. That's the main Mm. ending. Then there's an alternative ending that, uh, you can get on a bonus feature if you like the DVD and stuff. Um, and that's actually the ending of the, the play because this was turned into the, that, that original Roger Corman movie was turned into a Broadway play that then was turned into this movie, <laughs> which is just really crazy. So we'll talk about that theatrical ending, but um, I actually do, for me, I don't like the play's ending. I like the way that the movie ended compared to what the play now ended. The, so that's a dislike, but not The really. way the movie ended for me... Because I found this on, I rented this on Amazon. I, I rented this on Prime, and it's the same movie that I mm-hmm. sort of remember watching growing up. Um, mm-hmm. After they've defeated Audrey too, the the wall opens up, and they go live happily ever after in their big green yard with their nice little picket fence. And then the end, and then the mm-hmm. ending shot of the film is just a little tiny Audrey three. I'm assuming. Um, just mm-hmm. kind of smiling at the camera, like, "Hey, I'm gonna be back someday, so you better watch out." Yeah, yeah, that's that's the theatrical ending. That's the the ending that was written specifically for the movie because the play does end differently. And I um, noticed the play had to have ended differently because in the soundtrack wasn't the final song. The finale was "Don't Feed the Plants" or something like that. Am I? Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, there's an entire uh, song that was, you know, changed, and there's an entire different. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into it. I mean, we're jumping to the end of the movie, but but in the play, 
Seymour and Audrey die. And okay. the plant wins. And Jim Belushi's character, who had wanted to use cutlings of Audrey to, to turn in, you know, to give out, that happens. And the plants are taking over the world. Okay. And so it ends with the plants, with, with Audrey 2, with the, with Tui winning. And I think the play actually ends with, um, either a hint to, or it's outright said, cause I haven't actually watched the play. I've just read about it. Uh, Audrey 2 being president of this new world of, of giant plants, See, uh, man-eating plants. When Jim Belushi's character showed up, like completely out of the blue. I thought, Mm -hmm. because I had not seen this movie in forever, I thought that he was actually a government, he was going to reveal himself as a government agent or someone like Mm. that. That's what I thought, because he was just a little bit too pushy. Now, some, like, and that Mm. was kind of in contrast to some of the comedy um, toward the beginning of the Mm -hmm. film when they're a lot, I think it was uh, Mr., what's the shop owner's name? Mr. Mushnick? Mushnick, okay. He says, nobody's Mm -hmm. going to come and see this plant. And then all of a sudden, got dude pops through the door. I'm here to see your plant. I'm here to see that awesome Mm -hmm. plant in your window. And that just, it's, it's really good comedic timing. You just have to watch the film. I can't do it justice. But um, speaking of just Jim Belushi's character, I thought he was going to reveal himself as sort of a government agent, someone who's been tracking Mm -hmm. this plant because this plant is an alien from outer space. He's a mean green mother uh, from outer space. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought it was going to, I thought it was going to end like that, but it didn't. And it would just, it just seemed weird to me how that scene played out. That was something I, if, yeah. if I, if I had to have a dislike, it was probably that scene because it just seemed like it didn't fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's why, because that, that leads into the finale that was cut because it, they tested it um, with test audiences and it didn't work. And so Frank Oz decided to cut that and reshoot it and do this entirely different ending. So really the entire showdown between Audrey and, uh, and Seymour or Audrey too in, and Seymour in the shop is different from what it is in the original script and what it is in the play, because in the end of that Seymour dies so he does not succeed in defeating the plant. Um, so I, I, you know, I think they just wanted a more cheerful, happy ending mm-hmm. for the theatrical version, uh, for this movie version. And, and I, I, I kind of like it. I actually think that it, it, it works. I always lean more towards, I like happier endings rather than, than, uh, uh, depressing endings. But then at the same time, it, it is very saccharine and it does kind of lead to a lot of, a lot of this, this movie was metaphors and, and kind of uh, talking about consumerism and this, you know, uh, desire for more, more, Mm -hmm. more, and how that it just eventually just eats away at us until there's nothing left of us. And, maybe a depressing ending would have been more poignant. Maybe that's, you know, it, it works better in the play that that's more poignant to really drive home that, Hey, w- the world has lost because of our 
endless need to have something new and something more. Right. Um, I think you're right. So, I mean, um, yeah. That I think uh, there's probably a good reason. You know, th- there's always a good reason why they do test audiences anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And if they were trying to write a darker con, because I mean, let's be honest, this is a pretty dark con. This is a comedy, but it's a pretty dark comedy. Um, oh, yeah. So at some point, you got to have some lightheartedness somewhere. And so probably. This being a dark, a darker comedy and then ending it on a very dark note would have probably been a little bit too much. Um, but yeah. given just strictly, just strictly for that scene with Jim Belushi, it would have made way more sense to mm-hmm. have it ended the, than the, um, the stage play, the original way instead of the cinema release way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that being aside, my only other dislike that I can think of is for me, and it might just be because you know when you're when it's a musical, when it's a play, it's probably a lot mm-hmm. longer, um, and so they have you know more stretched out scenes, whereas they have to condense so much for a uh, a movie that some of the musical numbers came right after each other, just like back to back mm-hmm. to back, and. To me, because I, I do like musicals. I don't like all musicals, but I do like some musicals. But I, my favorite musicals and the best ones to me are the ones that give you time to breathe in between each musical yeah. number. Whereas this movie just kind of went bam, bam, bam. And and you didn't really have time to reset your brain in between each musical right. number. Um, so that to me was, was something that I didn't like. But that's a minor complaint because... Ultimately, I think it just comes down to them having to condense it down to a short, uh, you know, to the, to a movie length instead of a Broadway play length. Yeah, because I've I've only went to one Broadway play in my life, and that was to Wicked. And although it was okay, oh, okay. I didn't choose it. Um, some friends mm-hmm. that we were with when we went when we were in New York, they chose the to go to that particular play but it was just one Mm. musical number on top of one other it was just one after another after another and it really is i'm like you it's exhausting really it it really is i like to have i like that this film broke it up some like it starts off with a music it starts off with a musical number little shop little shop Mm. and then it kind of goes into uh uh, what is supposed to be the the Temptations? I think is I think that was the band. The no, it wasn't the Temptations. Yeah, well, it wasn't them, but it it, it was these this girl band. Yeah, but I don't think the, the Temptations yeah. were a, were a girl band though. I, that's probably not who I'm thinking of. No, 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 not the Temptations. No, you're thinking of the Supremes. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Supreme. That's yeah, right. That, you're right. The Supremes. So yeah. uh, it goes immediately from the title song to the women singing. And then it just kind of it, mm-hmm. it it breaks it up nice. It, I thought that the I thought it broke it up really well, uh, especially towards the middle portions of the movie where there wasn't there really wasn't mm-hmm. a ton of singing in the middle portions when we're sort of learning about Audrey too and and why Audrey too right. exists. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just I thought it was a I thought it was for a musical. Uh, it was well broken up. It wasn't just one song after yeah, another. Yeah, and. I- Right, and I agree with you. Towards the middle and towards and and later on in the movie, it is more broken up for me. The beginning was a little too you know one right after the other because I think we went from I think Skid Row mm-hmm. 
to um grow for me to some one of the other ones like it was just like three right in a row and it was just like okay you know we need a little breather in between them um but you know it, it wasn't it wasn't super bad like i said that's a nitpick that's a really nitpick nitpick for on my part because ultimately i really like this movie um and i like how it does kind of embrace the feeling of being a play but just filmed like like you you kind of got the sense that all of this was a stage you know none of it really felt like the real world it kind of had this like otherworldly feel mm-hmm. to it and i i to me i like that at least for that's the 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 way the sets were laid out the way the scenes were set up and everything seemed more like a stage mm-hmm. play and i actually like that feeling um but that might just be me i didn't really know um what was i didn't something? really notice that too okay. much it just um uh, it just felt like it just felt like uh, it was laid out like a traditional movie. I mean, they're really like, or um, I mean, the only thing, the only indication that I got that it could have, that it could have been more of a play mm-hmm. layout, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it felt like to me that it was just set on this really cramped soundstage and everything mm-hmm. wasn't super spread out. Every, there was not a whole lot of room for the actors and actresses to breathe. Right. Everything was all kind of crammed together. And that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. Now it's funny that you, you mentioned how it felt cramped because all of the scenes for this movie were filmed at Pinewood studios in mm-hmm. England, including what was then. Uh, so it was all on, what was then the largest studio set in the world. It was the 007 stage. Um, It was uh, called the Alfred Broccoli stage, uh, I think is what the official title is, but it's the 007 stage because it's where they were filmed, where they filmed uh, 007, a lot of the James Bond movies. Uh, They did not want to shoot on location because it would ruin the fantastical mood of the film. Part of the giant 007 stage was used to film the Suddenly Seymour number due to its size. The stage was impractical to heat properly and thus caused breath condensation to appear for a lot of the actors, which they had to counteract by putting ice cubes in their mouth. Okay. So it was just like, you talk about how cramped it feels, but it was actually the world's largest stage at the time. That explains... (laughs) Uh, that actually explains a lot of uh, some of the weird thing, some of the weirdness with um, some of the way Audrey sung certain lines sounded weird to me. So maybe she had an ice cube in her mouth that caused her to open her mm-hmm. mouth and enunciate things in an odd way. Um, but I just thought she, I, I, but I also thought that she, uh, it was just that really exaggerated New York accent that she was trying to pull off. Yeah, she definitely has that accent. And I really love when she actually breaks from that, uh, voice and, and, uh, sound that she does. Ellen, uh, Green does. And especially in Suddenly Seymour, she breaks out of it in mm-hmm. singing and really just lets her voice go. I really love that moment. Um, speaking of the songs, what is your favorite song from this movie? I'm going to say... Knowing you're, knowing you're not a musical person, but just if you had to pick one. Uh, well, I told you last night I was listening to Supper Time while I was cooking, but 
that was just sort of yep. that was just sort of a coincidence. <laughs> but uh, probably there's just something really quirky about the about dentist about uh, Steve Martin's oh, yeah. song. There's just I mean it's uh, mm-hmm. it's weird and it's 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 mm-hmm. also oddly catchy at the same time and the lyrics are super dark uh talking about right. shooting puppies with a bb gun and all that but um right but i'd say pro- he loved to torture uh, people and torture yeah. things so hey be a be dentist a de- well which actually <laughs> makes sense because i think we all have that uh in that innate that in the back of your mind fear of going to the dentist nobody likes to go to the dentist so it actually does mm-hmm. make sense that he would be a dentist and a sociopath but um yep. probably the song that i liked the most was probably a lot of folks mean green mother uh, that one just seemed to be the catchiest one. And I think you said, or I think I even read, or you mentioned that that one was nominated. Um, but they had to kind of edit it a little bit because some of the lyrics were a little bit too risque for, uh, general audiences. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was the first, uh, song to be nominated for an Oscar that had profanity okay. in it. And that was um, that was really interesting. It lost. It didn't win the Oscar. It was just nominated. It lost to "Take My Breath Away" from Top Gun. Take my breath away. That one. Okay. Uh-huh, by Berlin. Yeah. Yep. That was the one that beat out Mean Green Mother from Outer I Space. I would have picked Mean Green Mother. And it. I would have too. I would have to. Um, it was actually the first uh, one of only two, I think, so far, villain songs that have ever been okay. nominated for an Oscar. And uh, they, the other one, I think, if I was reading right, was Blame Canada from the South oh, Park God. movie. <laughs> and <laughs> which also included profanity, <laughs> of course. So it became the second song to ever be nominated that had I liked, in it. So there's a lot of... I was going to say, uh, I liked Suddenly Seymour also in my notes. In my yes. notes, I said that certain parts of the song felt almost like a church hymn. Like there are certain, there are mm-hmm. certain arrangements within that song that reminded me of some church hymns that I, that I heard yep. growing up. Um, mm-hmm. so the, I, I like that one. Suddenly yeah. Seymour yeah. So, is standing beside Yeah, I can you. see them replacing <laughs> Seymour with God or Jesus, and it works the same way. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, that one is fantastic. I, uh, I really love Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. Um, that one, another fun fact about it is that is one of the songs that's not from the play. That was actually written specifically for okay. the movie. Um, because like we said, that whole end sequence is different from what it is in the play. So that song is actually not in the play. Um, but yeah, I, I love that one. I mean, just the, uh, what is it? Uh, you can, uh, you can, you can keep the thing, keep the it. Oh no, you can keep the creature. You can keep the it. You can keep the thing. They don't mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. Like he song. went through the gamut. Um, he, he called out Kong, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Frankenstein, Frankenstein, the Mummy. I think was even included in there. Mm-hmm. He was just calling out everybody in that song. Yep, he was. It was great. Um, I also love Feed Me. Feed me, I mean, Seymour. Feed me. <laughs> 
feed me. Oh man, feed me more. <laughs> feed me all night long. <laughs> Just Levi Stubbs. Let's talk about Levi Stubbs as Audrey 2 for a little bit because he is my favorite part of this entire movie. I I, I really enjoyed Audrey. Well, I enjoyed Levi. I enjoyed mm-hmm. Levi's uh uh, voice lended to i think it fit i really do think it just fit mm-hmm. yeah um, but i enjoyed uh i think i in my notes i wrote that if you're a practical effects fan you're gonna like this movie mm-hmm. because there are some parts of audrey like they're towards the end when he's when he gets a lot bigger i could have swore that it was mm-hmm. cg i i could have swore it it looked a mm-hmm. lot because it moved very smoothly so kudos to whomever Whoever did the creature design for Audrey, I don't, you probably know, I don't, uh, but mm-hmm. kudos to that crew that worked with him. Um, I mean, it looked fantastic. Yeah, uh, the people behind Audrey, too, was, um, where is it? I have it here somewhere. Oh, it's in my fun facts. Here we go. Um the, the puppeteers who designed Audrey and, uh, 2 were veterans of the Jim Henson Yeah, it makes company. sense. That's why it looks it so sense. good. Yeah, because yeah. it makes sense. One of the operators of Audrey 2 was actually Brian Henson, okay. who is Jim Henson's son. So that's a little fun thing there. But yeah, I mean, you're talking whenever you're talking about puppeteering, the Jim Henson company is mm-hmm. top notch. There's no one that can do it better. And they pulled out all the stops for this one. And if you've never watched this movie and you, but you know the premise of it and you even see images of the plant, as soon as Levi Stubbs's mm-hmm. voice comes out of that plant, it is, it takes yeah. you back because that is not the voice that you might expect coming from this plant monster. But my goodness, I, I mean, loved it. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Audrey took us to church at some point, a couple times during the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Levi took us to church during sometimes during yep. some portions <laughs> of that movie. Now I grew up with that sort of style of music anyway, sort of that, the doo-wop right. 1950s, sixties and seventies music. Cause that's what my dad was big into. I remember fondly, um, sitting out or playing outside while my dad is listening to the temptations while working on one of the vehicles in the driveway. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just something I've, I've, I've always had a fondness for, and it's something I'm a little bit nostalgic right. for. And that's probably one of the reasons it's probably, it's a small reason, but it's probably one of the reasons why I actually enjoyed this movie, because there was a lot of callbacks to some of the, some of the music that I actually did listen to with my parents growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm same. I'm same. Uh, I, a lot of the music reminded me of stuff that I listened to with my grandparents mm-hmm. and and so now my my parents were more into 80s rock and roll so I've got the 80s rock side oh, to man, me too but I, but yeah this does take yeah. me <laughs> my dad my dad was big he was he was a he was doo-wop all the way uh you know 50, 50s and mm-hmm. 60s uh, he didn't get, he didn't quite get into the four, the thirties and forties too much. That was, that predated him. Uh, but he was big into the fifties and sixties and I grew up with a lot of that in the house. And then of course, mom, old, old school gospel music. Um, and it just sort of, mm. it just sort of fit. It's just what, and this, I feel like this film has a good, 
marriage between those two because you can kind of pinpoint, you can kind of pick up on some uh, where they would draw inspiration from sort of the gospel side of the, from in some of the music right. and some of the, uh, and then of course the doo-wop in the 1950s, because this is set in the night. This is, this film is supposed to be a time period. 1960, 1960 or I, I thought it was in the 50s. Okay. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's set in the time period that the original movie came out. So 1960. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, but that late fifties is, is definitely there. Um, since you're a fan of that type of music, you might appreciate this fun fact, but the, the three, uh, Greek chorus uh-huh. women are all named after, uh, bands or, or girl groups from the 1950s. And so you have crystal, who's named after uh-huh. the crystals, Ronette and okay. Chiffon. Those the are all okay. three names. Yeah. The, those are, those three are names of, uh, of the, of the three Greek chorus, uh, women, but also names of girl bands from the forties and fifties. So that's a little fun fact there. So, um, yeah, the music is just fantastic. I mean, that's just, uh, just love it. But then you also have the performances in this, like Steve Martin. It's so over the Steve. top. It's so over the top. The yeah, the jerk. Have you ever watched the jerk? The jerk uh-huh. is one of my favorite yep. Steve Martin films. Um, and mm. I cannot, I haven't seen it in a long time, and the name of it escapes me. But what is the movie where he plays the preacher? Uh, is it called the preacher or is it, is it called something else? I'll have to look it up. Yeah. I'll have to look that one up. I don't remember that one. That's a deep cut for, for Steve Martin. I don't remember that one, but yeah, I, I love Steve. I love Steve Martin. I loved now. I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of some of his earlier work than I am his mm-hmm. later work. Cause I just don't, I don't really care much for his, his later work. Uh, leap of faith is the name of the movie. Uh, right. Leap, leap of it. faith is yep. the one where he plays the televangelist. Uh, and I feel like that. And mm-hmm. now growing up in the church, I, I found that to be pretty funny because some of it hits a little bit too close to home, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. but you know, he, man, I just, I just, re- I cannot say much. I cannot say, too many terrible things about uh, uh, Steve Martin, or I can't really say anything. I can't right. say terrible things about anybody in this in this uh, movie, really, because um, yeah. uh, Rick Moranis, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids," and mm. hun- and "Honey, I Shrunk," was yeah. it "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids," and "Honey, uh, I Shrunk the Kids." We you "Honey, shrunk I Shrunk." Okay, that's what that's what I was, tra- I was trying to think of what the sequel was yeah. called. Um, yeah, and then there's also "Honey, I Blew Up the Kid," too. Um, which I don't know if that one had him in it or not. I don't think so. I think I he only remember, did that, two. Yeah. Yeah. So there was there was Honey I Shrunk the Kids and Honey We Shrunk Ourselves. But yeah, it, it's the cast is amazing. All of them, all of them except for one, are were hired for this particular movie. You know, for the movie. But Ellen Green, who plays Audrey, mm-hmm. the original Audrey, she also plays Audrey in the Broadway play. So she's the only actor from the play to cross over into the movie, um, which is interesting because originally they had uh, wanted to get Cindy Lauper to play mm-hmm. that part, 
but Cindy Lauper was booked up right. on tour. They also had Madonna See, in it w- line. It w- I don't think do it would have worked as well with Madonna, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it really. I don't think. I don't think Madonna would have been a good fit. Um, Cindy Lauper is an interesting choice. I can but... see it though with Cindy Lauper because she already has Cindy yeah. already has that really thick New York accent too. So it wouldn't have been a. It would not mm-hmm. have been much of a stretch for her to do that. Right. Yeah, and and I think she would have been good. I think she would uh, definitely would have nailed the singing parts. But Ellen Green, I mean, they just they settled on her because it's like, well, she's already doing the part on Broadway. Why not just move her into the movie? And so she works fantastically. There is not a single person in this movie. But I was just thinking about Steve Martin's performance uh, in particular. That if you were not familiar with Steve Martin as an actor, you might think that he was being a little uh, hammy yeah. in this movie. But knowing the range that he has and the style of acting that he has, it's so obviously that he's doing it on yeah. purpose. And it's and it fits the tone of this movie. This movie is over the top and ridiculous and silly, and he's being a ridiculous, silly character. Uh, Steve Martin, it was Honey, I see. Honey, I Blew Up the Kids... He was actually honey. He was actually in Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, and Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Oh, Rick uh, li- uh, yeah, Little Giants the was the other one I was trying to think of too that uh, uh, Rick Moranis was in, and of course the Flintstones. If you remember the old, if you remember the original Flintstones movie, he was in that. I think he played mm-hmm. uh, Barney. Yeah, Barney. Yeah, he was Barney. Yep, and uh, he also is yep, in Space. He Ball. is. Yep. <laughs> Can't, can't, for, can't forget no, Spaceballs. He's Dark Helmet. Um, but no, I, <laughs> I, I really just, I was impressed by the cast. I really was. And because I like those older comedies because, uh, like I was, like I was saying earlier, they're not blue comedies. They're not just F bomb. Well, you know, mm-hmm. they're not just cuss, you know, cursing just to get a reaction. Like, like some of that is, some of that is okay. Some of that is, is funny. Um, Oh, who's the who's the actor, the little short guy that tag teams with the Rock all the time? Um, oh, Kevin Hart. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Hart. Hart. I think Kevin. I think Kevin Hart mm-hmm. is hilarious, but his his mm-hmm. style of comedy gets on my nerves after a while. Um, yeah. But I, th- I can always watch a Steve Martin movie. I can always watch a Jim Belushi movie. Blues Brothers is one of my favorite movies. And I, I know I sound like a real boomer by saying that, but, but, uh, Blues Brothers is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, just the, the, I mean, we, we're just going in circles by saying the cast, but, but yeah, the comedic timing, there's a specific moment where the comedic timing stood out to me where, um, uh, Rick Moranis' character, Seymour, is at the radio station and he had already went through the whole explanation and did the whole song explaining where he got Audrey 2 from. And then he's at this radio station. John Candy is the host of the radio uh, show and he goes to explain and you can hear the musical notes kick in. Like he's going to sing the song again. And then it just cuts away. It's like, we already heard that song. We don't need to hear it again. So it just cuts away. I just, I I love the musical cue come up and I'm like, are they really going to do the song again? And I was relieved that they didn't. Mm. But there was another actor. There was another actor that and we can move on from this in just a second. But there was another mm-hmm. actor that I, I thought of that I feel like should have been that should have rounded out this um, 
all-star cast of comedians, and that was Dan mm-hmm. Aykroyd. Aykroyd. I feel like yeah. he would have been in this film. At I feel like he should have been in this film in some role. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he's played. I mean, he has a pretty good range himself. I mean, he always he he has that real thick Chicago accent, and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he would have just he would have just fit in. I, I feel like in this film, he could have played a cop. Yeah. I mean, he I, he's played a lot of cops during his career. Um, oh yeah, Dan Aykroyd would have been great. It would have best been a a Saturday Night Live pretty reunion. Much. Of and that's pretty much what this film was. It, it would have been Saturday Night Live Saturday Night Live reunion, and it was it was really good. Yeah, and and the fact that you have these two comedy legends, Bill Murray and Steve Martin, who worked together on Saturday Night Live, but have never been in a movie outside of this one movie together. Is fascinating. Bill so Murray's character—it just—it just cracked me up because the chemistry between him and Steve Martin. Steve Martin is the den, is the dentist. He's the sadist. He wants—he wants you to feel pain. He mm-hmm. wants you to feel everything that he's going to do to you. And he pulled out all the stops, mm-hmm. including this rusty old uh, drill that he'd been hanging on to forever. And Bill Murray's character. Mm-hmm just ate it up he's like oh yeah give me more it would give me more and it, it and yep. the part that the part that really just kind of it was just cracking me up was even before all the stuff got started like bill Mur- what is bill Mur- what is bill's uh character what is his name in this um he was something denton do... yeah denton um, Den- okay so arthur when arthur denton, denton is, is sitting when he first sets down in the chair after the mm. waiting room he's like oh goody in the waiting room and uh he's already prepping himself he's ready he's he's getting ready mm-hmm. he's got the, he's yep. got the bib on he's got the cotton in his mouth and i and it, it just it just that little scene that part of the scene especially cracked me mm-hmm. up because he's just they just had such good chemistry together during that scene it was fantastic oh yeah definitely and uh um I just it, it just answers the question about uh, what happens when an immovable object hits an unstoppable right. force. You know, it's what happens when you have this sada the sadist, the sadomasochist who meets someone who enjoys being tortured and enjoys you know it too much and is not afraid of of him. And it's like uh you know they so I I don't know I just really I do enjoy that I enjoyed that Steve Martin's character just got so frustrated it's just like get out get out I want I want you to be yes. afraid <laughs> you're he, enjoying he didn't it too get much his satisfaction. Right. Um, some fun facts that we can go through real quick. Um, we already talked about the mean green mother from outer space and all of that. Um, uh, Frank Oz originally wanted the Greek chorus, uh, the three women, to be highlighted by a spotlight whenever mm-hmm. they appeared. But he said that this proved to be impractical as the light would spill over into other uh-huh. actors. And then he uh, but he wanted to make them feel magical and like otherworldly, almost like like uh, fairies that would just pop in and out. You know who they reminded scenes. me of? And so sort of now I know and I know hmm. this film comes out after the like the the film i'm gonna bring up comes after little shop of horrors i think it's in the 90s uh was hercules they seem they reminded oh, yeah. me a lot of the is it the muse the the muses, the muses. and hercules and and that was that's one of the yeah. that's one of the few animated movies from disney that i really enjoy too so yeah and and both of those take their inspiration from not only the this doo-wop kind of 
uh, sound style, but also the idea of a Greek mm. chorus. Uh, and, you know, for anybody who's, I'm not a film expert or a theater expert, but a Greek chorus was an element that was used in back in ancient times during those Greek plays as a magical being who could communicate with the audience to inform the audience on things that were happening, but didn't affect the overall story that was you know unfolding on stage. And so that's kind of the, these, these three women and the muses mm -hmm. in Hercules are directly taken right. from that and play on that kind of idea. Um, there's a, oh, we didn't even talk about this song somewhere. That's green. Audrey's song that is so my favorite part of that song is, uh, I cook like Betty Crocker and I look like Donna Reed. <laughs> I just I love that song. I love that song so much. Um, but there's a shot at the end of it where they're pulling away from her and the set wasn't big enough to pull away as long, far away as what they needed to. So they actually had to use two different cranes to actually get that long shot pulling away from her. Um, let's see. We talked about the studio. We talked about Audrey too and the puppeteers. Um, they uh, and we already talked about Cindy Lauper, so I think that's pretty much all of the fun facts that I had. Other than the uh, Bill Murray's lines in the dentist's office were ad libbed. Uh, he he did a lot of um, did a lot of mm -hmm. ad libbing there, and they said it was very hard to edit all of it together into a cohesive line because he was just going off and doing. He his was own going thing. off into one of those Bill Murray <laughs> tangents, and it was just sort of he he just yes. kind of mutters whatever the first thing he says yes exactly all right so we can go ahead and get into our godzuki scores so for anyone who happens to be a first-time listener to kaiju weekly we like to measure our movies based on godzuki who is the dim-witted nephew of godzilla from the 1970s tv show we like to embrace the silly side of giant monster movies so we like to pay homage to the great godzuki by using him as Absolutely. our yardstick in measuring these movies so michael out of five godzukis how many godzukis would you rate little shop of horrors i am gonna surprise you and say i'm gonna give it five out of five five out of five wow. because for what it set out to do it was a dark comedy married with a musical Married with a monster movie, married with uh, a time uh, time period movie. Um, I'm sure there's another mm -hmm. name for that. It really a, mm -hmm. a timepiece. There piece. we go. Uh, it really yeah. accomplished those goals and a little bit more. Um, so that's why I'm gonna for what it set out to do, and it accomplished the it accomplished that in my opinion. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a five out of five. Now. Is it, does it rank super high in my library of top kaiju and I, and air quotes kaiju films? Uh, no, it does not. Uh, <laughs> but for what it was in this context, I'm going to go ahead and give it a five out of five. 
Yeah, and for listeners who are wondering, why are they covering Little Shop of Horrors when this is about giant monsters? Well, we count the giant plant as a giant monster. And also, uh, for the these couple of weeks, we wanted to do something that was just like, uh, we wanted to do movies that were giant monsters, but a little left of center. So that's why we did... Uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and we have done a little shop of horrors, and we've got more coming up. So stay tuned for that. But uh, as far as my score, my Godzuki score, I agree with you. It accomplishes everything that it sets out to do. It is a fantastic movie if you are going in knowing what you're going to get and knowing what they were trying to do. I don't think that they could have done it any better. Um, that being said, I don't want to give it a perfect score because there were the, the, there were some pacing things. I think be, just because of the nature of being condensed down from a Broadway play to a movie, I think there were a few little pacing issues. So I would give it a four what? out of five, maybe a four and a half. What you mean? I'm gonna, you mean I'm actually <laughs> ranking something higher than you this week? Yeah, with a movie, yeah, with a you movie you picked and me. forced me to watch at gunpoint. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Hey, hey. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I think I, I sent you. A, I sent you a message this. after watching it, and I said, "What was it?" I said, "This movie is something. It, it's definitely something." Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 it's fortunately something. for us, it is something in a good way. Unlike the giant claw that was something in a very terrible burn it with fire way. I still had fun recording that episode with me and Steven. That was one of my favorite episodes I've ever recorded just because me and him had so much fun. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, I, this was definitely a positive. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Just lock it okay. in four and a half out of five. I, I still think just the pacing issues get me a little too much. And I think that, and like I said, I think if I watch the play, that mm-hmm. would be solved. But just in the movie, for some reason, I, I just I couldn't get past that. But that, that's that's just a small little nitpick that takes it down from right. being a perfect film. Um, but I, I completely agree with you that they accomplished everything they've set out to do. Um, I mean, it just like you said, it balances humor, terror, catchy music numbers and is just completely yeah. unique. The idea that somebody could watch that black and white Roger Corman movie and say, hey, I want to turn that into a musical just baffles right. me. And, and you I know, um, I feel like that this film will surprise a lot of giant monster fans because it surprised me. Now, I, mm-hmm. I am unapologetically kind of a snob when it comes to my giant monster movies. Mm-hmm. I really am. I'm not going to I'm not going to mm-hmm. play around and say that I'm not because Travis, my friend here Travis, yeah. He he likes some of the weirder stuff that even I won't even touch. Uh some of the some films that is coming up yep. in uh in future episodes, I don't even have any interest at all in watching. But I'm actually really really glad uh that I did watch this film because I really think that it will surprise a lot of people. Uh, I will say that if you do watch this film either before listening to this episode or after listening to the, listening to this episode or during listening to this episode, however you want to do it, 
<laughs> I, I suggest doing it with an open mind because I did, and it, it really does help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this this movie is well It's well-received. It really so is. I don't think it's, it's like, uh, it's yeah. not like just some uh, B-movie musical that you've never heard of. It is a, actually a, we're not talking right. about a film that's not unheard of uh, before. I mean. Right. Yeah, so I don't think we're blowing no. anybody's minds by saying, hey, this movie that most people like is yeah. good. You should watch it. We're not. <laughs> and, and, and people who are um, familiar with this genre and musicals, and period, have anyone who's a fan of musicals, I feel like probably has watched this movie at some point in their life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving on to our mailbag. Now... I, this is tying back in with what we were talking about. We didn't have anybody send in any mailbag. So I want to, I want to make sure everyone knows that you can send in questions, comments, any kind of feedback. Um, you can do that through kaijuweekly at gmail.com. You can send it over Twitter at kaijuweekly. You can, uh, check out the kaiju groupie Facebook group and you can, you know, talk to us there because we're always on there. Um, but since there was no actual letters in the mailbag, I wanted to ask you, so knowing that someone took this 1960 uh, kaiju film, or not kaiju film, but just campy monster film, and turned it into a musical movie, what what would you say, What or what monster movie do you think would work as a musical the way that Little Shop of Horrors did? Um, I have actually thought about this. I was thinking about this earlier today as I was trying to do a little bit of yard work. Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually have not a classic monster movie and it's not even a monster movie that's even made at this point. I'm going to throw one out there for you and say Tremors 5 done in the style of Oklahoma, the musical. Oh wow! <laughs> no wait, Tremors Five—that's the one where they wait, went is, to Africa. Wait, hang right? on. Is there really a Tremors Five? There is a Tremors is there Five. A... There's a Tremors Five and Six. Okay, so whatever whatever number you have to put in front of Tremors at this point, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, let's just let's. I'll, I will say this. Let's just put. Let's just re- let's just do Tremors Eleven as a musical, similar to what they did with Oklahoma the musical. So there we go. Uh, or, um, yeah, you could do the Blob. I thought about the Blob earlier too. You could probably remake the Blob. I, I would like to see them try to recreate an animatronic or puppeted Blob. I mean, I think that 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 might oh, yeah, be fun. That would be fun. Um, so yeah, those are my picks, uh, for better or for worse. <laughs> I think a Tremors one might work because Michael Gross, if I remember right, Michael Gross actually is a very good song and dance man. So he could probably just play Bert even in the like Broadway play version of yeah, Tremors. He could. <laughs> um, I mean, I I asked this question because I really wanted to get your feedback on it as someone who's not a musical fan because i have made it no secret that 
I would love to see Night of the Lepus turned into a musical. I want to, I want them to go the whole nine yards, do cats level, like just them wearing the fur suits and dancing and singing. And then later on, them turn it into a CGI horror. The, the, the cats movie is just, I want to see that. So you know, bad. if they, if they uh, wanted to remake so, yeah. Night of the Lepus or Night of the, is it Night of the, Le- yeah, it's Night of the Lepus, uh, as a serious movie mm-hmm. today. Uh, maybe they mm-hmm. do a movie where people get infected by a, a rare disease produced by rabbits. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would, that would fit the time. Um, I, I just, I want Hugh Jackman to be in my <laughs> musical version of it too, because the, the original story is based off of, um, is an uh, Australian story. Uh, the, the Night of the Lepus is based off of. It's an uh, Australian book. And so it's like, you know, you tie it back into, bring it back to Australia, have Hugh Jackman as the lead in it. It just, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm weird. <laughs> it's fine. I, th- I guess, like we've said numerous times on this podcast, if you're listening to us, you're probably just a touch weird anyway, because if you're into this stuff like we are, yep. you gotta have some kind of, left of center or weird bent to you i mean let's let's just be honest yep and i mean let's not beat around the bush night of the lepus is coming up as one of our movies Uh, that we're going to talk about don't you you have a very special guest uh yep have a special guest coming from an undisclosed location so yep Yep, we had to sneak him in. We had to smuggle him in because everything's under lockdown. So we had to smuggle him in over the border. Um, so yeah, so we had to look forward to that. So the only other thing that I want to do, um, before we move into, uh, or before we close out the podcast is, uh, well, one is to ask next week's trivia question that's going to hint to the episode next week. So, uh, the trivia question is, which monster film has Samuel L. Jackson repeating his famous line from Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts? <laughs> so, uh, which monster movie had that same line in it, spoken by Samuel L. Jackson? I knew this again. one. Uh, and we're going to have a guest. I knew this one anyway. Uh-huh, go ahead. Even before I looked at the, even before I looked at our list of episodes coming up, I already knew the answer. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think this one's a pretty easy one for monster fans, for veteran monster fans, um, or, or or people who are watching monster movies currently. Um, so yeah, it's pretty easy. But uh, and next week we're gonna have another special guest on to help Good. us with that movie. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, organize that and have that. So. Uh, come back for that, you guys. And the only other thing I, uh, that I want to do is highlight a review that we got on iTunes because you can review the pod- podcast. Ugh, I can't even talk. You can review the podcast on iTunes. Um, if you do, please give us five stars if you can. And please let us know what you think of the podcast. Um, 
so we have a review from Nathan Marchand, who is the from the Monster Island Film Vault podcast. Uh, and he left us a review saying, This is a fun and accessible podcast on kaiju and tokusatsu, meant for new and veteran fans. The hosts have great r- rapport, and the rotating guests keep things lively. I especially like when they bring in guests who have particular specialties, such as biology. Highly Thank recommended. You, and so there we were talking about how Sam uh, guested on the Tremors episode, and he was a he's an ecologist, so he specializes in that stuff. But yeah, thank you, Nathan, for that. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to uh, mention before we close out this episode? Uh, no, Michael. Uh, I guess we got to tell the folks where they can find us on all the socials. I guess we should do that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, want to thank everyone for listening to this podcast. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, we are Kaiju Weekly on Twitter at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter and Kaiju Weekly Pod on Instagram. You can send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email Kaiju Weekly at gmail.com or any of the social medias. You can also find us at the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group and also follow Michael at Kaiju Groupie 54 on Twitter and at the Kaiju Groupie on uh, Instagram. And we also want to say a big thank you to Brian, Shiger, and Thorax for supporting us on Patreon. We really appreciate your support. We know that now is a uh, difficult time, so um, we understand that people are not you know, able to support us right now. But just listening and sharing this podcast with your friends is all the support we need. But, it, but we also want to thank the ones who can give a little bit and are willing to give a little bit. Um, you can also support the podcast if you feel like it uh at patreon.com slash kaiju weekly pod uh and so to close out this week's episode i will say uh, help control the giant plant population have your plants spayed or neutered but can plants really be neutered <laughs> we'll see you nah, they can technically be spayed know. can't they <laughs> with a spay with a forget yeah they can take it yeah see see what we did there all right guys thank you so much for joining (laughs) us today